so, as we continue our DNA series, just as a refresher, if you've missed, um, what we've been going through is talking about who we want as a church, what we want our DNA to be. So there's, as, as churches, there's so many different churches out in the world. There's so many different things that are going on. And so often we see that, unfortunately, the church is known for a lot of things, but, but sometimes it's known for things that aren't necessarily Christian things or biblical things. And so we want to, as we started as a young church plant, we want to set that early. This is who we want to be, and we want to base that on Scripture. We want to look like Jesus. These are the core values that we want to define us as a church. And so we're kind of running through, finishing out this, this series. We'll finish out next week. But just remember, this is what we want our DNA to be. This is who we want to be. And the first thing we talked about is that we want to be Christ-centered. We want to be a church that's focused on Jesus first, not get distracted by a whole bunch of other other things, but focused on Jesus first, and that as we're focused on Jesus, that he would come in this place, and he would save souls, and he would transform lives. That's what we want this to be, first and foremost, is a place that's focused on Jesus, where he comes in here, and he impacts our lives, and he changes us, and he saves us, and he makes us like him. That, that as you come here, for your family, for anyone that impacts this place, that this would be a place of transformation for you and for your family, that we look more and more like Jesus. Secondly, we want this place to be a place of worship. We want our lives to be worshipped, but specifically on Sunday mornings, this hour, hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half that we spend in here, we want to take time and we want to worship Jesus together. We want to worship him in song. We want to worship him with our hearts. We want to worship him uh, through the preaching of the word. And probably most importantly, we want to worship him by the response of our hearts to him. So the way that we respond to the worship, the way we respond to preaching, um, that's, that's one way that we worship him. And so we want to be a place of worship in that way. And then last week we talked about we want to be a place that part of our DNA is we don't want to just be a church that focuses inwardly, but we want to be a church that focuses on our community and serving our community. We want to be known as a place that serves. And so that's why, like, the event that we have coming up this week at the community center, we want to be a church for our city. We want to be a church for our community that's in our community, that's serving our community, that's loving our community. And so that's kind of where we've been in uh, the last few weeks. And today we want to get into um, the next kind of phase is that we want to be a place of prayer. And it seems so simple, right? You think like, duh, duh, that's, that's an obvious one. As a church, you should probably be a place of prayer, right? But we want to make sure that we set that as a central theme, a central tenet of who we are, that this, this church, that we, would not just, that we would be a people that pray, that we would be a church that prays together. As you look at Scripture, I'm just going to run through a few verses quickly about what the Bible has to say about prayer. And you'll notice that these aren't all the same. They're all talking about prayer, but they're all talking about different aspects of prayer. So we'll see that the thread... Uh, of prayer in the Bible is wide-ranging, even though it's, it's focused as well. So the first one, Jeremiah 29, 12, he says, then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. James 5.13, if anyone among you is in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing a song of, of praise. Matthew 5.44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5.44, excuse me. Matthew 26.41, watch and pray. Why? So that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, and be faithful in prayer. And then Thessalonians 5, 17, a real simple one, pray continually. 
That one's really hard to, right? It's a pretty simple one right there. So if you look at just these, these few prayers you see, they're so wide range. We see prayers for forgiveness. We see prayers for healing. We see prayers in times of trouble. We see God, Jesus, directing us to pray for others, especially our enemies, especially the ones who have hurt us, especially for the ones that we least likely want to pray for. We see a direction to pray for um, that, we would, that God would keep us from temptation when we can't keep ourselves from temptation. We pray that God would help us to be faithful. We see prayers for continual prayer, that we would be continual in prayer, all different types of prayer. Prayer was, it's so interesting, it's so important because we even see in scripture, the disciples at one point come to Jesus and ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, which is interesting if you think about it, because these were people who would have grown up in, I guess, technically the church, so they, they've been praying their entire lives. They grew up learning how to pray, knowing how to pray, and yet they take time to come to Jesus and ask him specifically, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? We see it in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This is Jesus' response to them when they come to him and say, Jesus, help us, teach us how to pray. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We see Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. So we see all different kinds of prayers in scripture. We see Jesus specifically showing the disciples how to pray. But not only that, we see examples of Jesus praying in scripture. As a matter of fact, if we, as we look at this next one that I have is Luke 5, 12, 12 through 15, we see an interesting story of, of, of how Jesus prays and how important prayer is to Jesus. It says, while he was, with, was in one of the towns, there was a man there who had a serious skin disease all over him. He saw Jesus and he fell face down and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him, Jesus. He touched him saying, I am willing, be clean. And I love that. I just want to pause. It really doesn't have much to do with the sermon, but I love that. The fact that this man's prayer to Jesus was running. He was falling in front of Jesus. He said, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. If you notice right there, he wasn't doubting Jesus's ability. He's just a doubting. He was asking, will you do this? I think that's something that, that as Christians, we need to remember, remember when we need healing, when we need transformation, that, that Jesus has the ability. It's not the, the lacking of the ability to heal us. It's us coming saying, Jesus, will you do this? And his answer is, I am willing. Be clean. I love that. It says, and immediately the disease left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and to offer what Moses prescribed to be your cleansing as a testimony to them. It said, but the news about him spread even more and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Yet he often withdrew to the desert places and prayed. So think about this picture. We have this man come to Jesus. He asks Jesus to heal him. He says, if you're willing, Jesus says, I'm willing. He heals him. So the masses find out about it. So the masses begin coming to Jesus, asking him to heal them of their afflictions, heal them of their wounds, heal them of their diseases. And Jesus is healing them. And yet, even as he's healing them, even as they're pressing in, he says, all right, I've got to go now. And I need to go recharge. I need to go spend time with the Father. I need to go be with God the Father for a little bit. That's how important we see this picture of prayer to Jesus, that prayer and communion with the Father was even more important than doing good works at that point. It's interesting, don't you think? So we see prayer. I've shown you all different types of prayer. We've seen Jesus teaching the disciples to pray. We've even seen how Jesus himself 
prayed. And so we as a church want to be a place of prayer. In Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster says this. He says, of all the spiritual disciplines, so uh, fasting, prayer, meditation, scripture reading, different what they call spiritual disciplines. He says, of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central. So he's saying this is the most central is because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. Prayer is central because what we're doing in prayer is we're spending time in relationship with the Father. We're spending time in communion with the Father. So he says it's one of the most central. I think that as I was working on this this week, I was thinking about our, our church, our situation. I think that prayer has already been a very central tenet of who we are to this point. Like I thought about um, before we even launched in January, I thought about how Katie and I spent time just fasting and praying about, do we even move back to Texas? Do we do the, launch this church? I know that so many of you guys who were apart from the beginning spent time in prayer and fasting with your families. Do we do, we do this? Do we follow this crazy mic and, and try this dream, right? Um, seriously, because some, there's some big life change for you guys. I thought about how um, before we even launched, we took 21 days of, of prayer and fasting together as a church and prayed specifically for different things about the church. Even before we started the church, I see prayer being a, it just seems to be a theme already. I want us to keep that foundation. I don't want to lose that. And I want us to understand why we do these things that we do. Like, for example, we have these communication cards. And yeah, it's, so we want visitors to fill them out so that, so that we can thank them for being here, all that kind of stuff. But there's, if you notice on the back, there's the, the part just specifically for prayer requests. Why do we do that? That's not like just a space filler. We do that because I, if there's something going on in your life that you want to write down that card, put in there, I can pray for you. I see those. I pray for you during the week. And we do that because we want prayer to be a theme of our church. We... Um, a few weeks ago, whenever the shooting in Dallas happened and all this, this, we see this racial divide in our country, we spent a service where we just had people come and lead the congregation in different types of prayer for our nation that God would heal us. Why do we do that? Not because we're like, well, we should probably pray now, right? No, we did that because we believe that God has the power to heal. And we, as prayer being central to our church, wanted to take that time to do that. So we have prayer being a central theme of our DNA. And the reason is because ultimately we want to see God move mountains through prayer. We want to see God impact our lives through prayer. We want to see God change our church through that, right? So we want to leave prayer. We want to keep prayer a central focus for us as a church. So as we do that, I guess we try to understand and figure out what does that look like for us? What is prayer um, defined as for us? Or how do we what, what just as a church, as a people, what does that look like for us? And so I wanted to start out with this because I want to start out with what it, at first what it's not so we can focus on what it is. The first is this. It says, prayer is a classical spiritual discipline that is primarily relational and not functional. So what does that look like? If we say, so prayer is supposed to be primarily relational, not primarily functional, what does that, what does that even mean? Here's what I mean. Oftentimes our prayers are just functional. They're transactional. So they become like a shopping list. Like, God, I need this. Can you help me out here? I need this. I need this. I need this. Uh, Grandma needs a new hip. Jesus, could you handle that for? I need a raise at work. Could you do that? You know, mama needs a new pair of shoes. Like, what could we do here, right? Our prayers just become functional for, or they're transactional. God, I need this. Could you do this for me? Ultimately, they're fixing, we're asking God to fix symptoms in our life that make us uncomfortable so that our lives could be easier. Do you see what I'm saying? So they become transactional shopping list type, which means that 
we, st- we kind of stay in the shopping list area of prayer versus the area that um, helps us enter into a deep and vital relationship with God. Prayer as relational means that it's about, it's spending time and growing our relationship with God, not spending time just Him helping make our lives a little bit more comfortable. Those are two different types of, of prayers. If we're not careful, our time of prayer just becomes us spending a few minutes every day asking God, hey, here's my shopping list, here's the things I need, could you help me out? And I'm not saying that, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying that coming to God with our needs is wrong because it is absolutely not. God is the healer. God is the provider of all things. God is the place that when we don't know what to do or we go and we rely on whenever we need change in our life, when we need things. Like whenever, Katie, we were about to have Gideon, you better believe that I was asking God for things when that was happening, right? We need financial stability. We need a healthy birth. We need this, you know, like we need Mike to not go crazy. We need sleep. Dear God, give it. like on the way to church this morning, we were driving and I was praying. I said, God, please keep the weather like this. Dear Lord, please. And Katie looked at me and she said, that's one of the most fervent prayers I've ever heard you pray, Mike. Those are, it's okay. We need, it's been bad. It's been really hot. Okay. We need a little break here. So I'm not saying that prayers asking for things are bad. We need stuff. God is the provider. Okay but that's not a primary function of our prayers. For God to give us stuff or to ease symptoms in our life isn't the primary purpose of prayer. Um, Maybe I can put it this way. If my relationship with Katie is just simply based on her doing stuff for me, like every time I talk to her, it's like, hey, Katie, I need you to do this. I need you to do the dishes. Katie, I need you to, uh, there's some, need some toilet paper in the bathroom. Could you handle that? Um, Katie, we need some groceries. Could you do something about that? Katie, uh, Gideon's crying, handle it, right? If that was our relationship, that's, that's a transactional relationship. That's not a real relationship. That's just, that's a functional relationship. I need, I need A, could you handle that for me? It's not an actual relationship. She might as well be my maid. You know what I'm saying? And so, so I guess that's what I'm saying. Prayer as its primary function is not, is not just a transactional thing with God. It's intended to grow our relationship with Jesus, that we would have a deeper, more fervent, real relationship with him. So if prayer isn't functional, it's not supposed to be primarily transactional, what is it supposed to be? The primary purpose of prayer is that it would be relational. As we're we're a prayerful church, as we're prayerful people, prayer is meant to help the Christian remain in close communion with God. Prayer only focused on the shopping list avoids us growing in a deeper and radical relationship with God. If you guys remember a, a few weeks ago, we talked about the levels of communication. You guys remember? Shake your head yes if you do. No if you don't. Okay, cool. We got like the, I don't know. So we talked about these five levels of communication, which were five was like um, the weather talk, sports talk, like just very surface level conversation. Like, when you know that when you get in the, an elevator with somebody, you're like, how's it going? Crazy weather we're having here. Oh, yeah. That's like level five, like, you know. And then there's like the, the level one, which is supposed to be like deepest friends, deepest relationships, communication, different with your, your spouse, with those that you, you know, where you just are able to share who you are, share your soul, share your gut. Like, man, this is, these are the deepest things that are happening in my lives. That's like, right, that's level one communication. So if we just hang out in the shopping cart list with God, we're staying on like level five communication. We're on like sports talk with God. We're on like, I need this, maybe some level four, because like if Aunt Bertha's hip is broken, you're like getting into a little bit more about yourself versus the, the prayer that gets us in level one communication with God that grows us deeper, that helps us to exist in a deeper spiritual relationship with God that grows us. God desires deeper communication with you. With us as a church, he desires deep, deeper 
um, or a deeper relationship with you. And this is beautiful because as the church, as Christians, we don't need a priest. We don't need some special preacher to come in and intervene for you. God has invited you in a prayerful relationship with him that you would know him deeper, that he could have that deeper relationship with you. I was thinking about that this week and it's kind of a weird way to say it, but because prayer is relationship-based with God, what you, ha- what you literally have is Jesus, 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 Jesus inviting you to invite him into his circumstances, into your circumstances. So we have Jesus coming to you and literally through him opening up the avenue of prayer is saying, Mike, I'm inviting you to invite me into the deepest places of your life. Like, Mike, I'm, I'm asking you, I want to be involved in the deepest, darkest, like most, like those secret places in your life. He's, he's inviting you to invite him. Like he's not going to shove his way in there, but he's saying, I want this time with you. I want to grow here with you. So he's asking you to be involved in your life. And it's relational, not in just in the sense that it's just you and him, but as a church community, it's relational for us together. Like if you notice in the Lord's Prayer, we have Jesus praying, um, t- teaching them to pray, our Father who art in heaven, not just my Father who art in heaven. Because the Christian walk is a communal thing. That's why we do this together as a church. That's why we had um, the 21 days of prayer. We did that together as a church. That's why on that one Sunday where we came together and we prayed together as a church because prayer isn't just a you and God thing, but it's a com- there's a communal aspect to it as well. Where as we do those things together as a community in prayer, we grow deeper in our relationship with God together. So prayer is relational individually, but it's, it's also relational for us as a community that as we spend time in, the, in praying and fasting together, in taking special services to pray together, as at the end of services when we have people hanging out on these um, aisles for you to pray with, you pray, when you pray with those people, it's a communal thing that's growing us deeper in our relationship with God together. So prayer is, is first and foremost, it's relational, both individually and as a community. It's, it's relational. Secondly, Prayer is meant to be transformative for our lives. So what does that mean? True prayer draws us into God's involvement in the world. So as we spend time in prayer with God, it's not just like, hey, Jesus, I need this stuff, but true prayer, where we get into deep stuff with God, what happens is through prayer, we begin to see the world through God's eyes. We begin to... um, become incorporated into his presence and the actions of God in the world. So what that means is as we grow deeper in our relationship with God, as we spend more time in prayer with him, as, as we do this, as our relationship gets deeper with him, what happens is we begin to view the world through his eyes. We begin to see the world around us and see um, people like God sees people. That's been a, a, a big prayer of, of mine this week is that, that God would show me how to, he sees people. Like again, like that communal aspect when we're taught to pray our father, not just my father, is because our world, God wants us to see the world as that, that the world is, he is the world's father, not just ours, right? Because again, in the Christian walk, what happens is we tend to, uh, just get in that thing where it's just about me and Jesus, man, just me and Jesus. And that's not meant the way it's meant to be. Like the Christian walk is, as it's supposed to be communal, means that as we pray and as we go deep in our relationship with him, he helps us to see the world around us as he sees it, that he would see other people as brothers and sisters and not just people that need to get out of our, out of our way in traffic. <laughs> Again, Richard Foster in Celebration of Discipline says this, in real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him, 
We begin to desire the things he desires, to love the things he loves, to will the things he wills. And I love this progressively, meaning over time, we're taught to see things from his point of view. That's why you hear things in the scripture like seek uh, what, first his kingdom and all these, like seek first his kingdom, all this righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's about seeking his will, his way first. And then we begin to see things through his point of view. So it's transformative in our minds, in the way that we see the world around us. True prayer transforms how we view everything else around us. Secondly, it's transformative um, in ourselves. So it transforms how we see the world, but it's also personally transformative. To pray is to change. So if prayer is a central tenet of our lives, it's also a central theme in how God transforms us as individuals. The closer we become to the heartbeat of God, the more we see our need for God and the more we see the need for God in the world around us. Like there's that, that part of you where maybe you've experienced this, the closer you get to God, the more you grow in your relationship with God, the more you realize how much you need God. The more you realize how unlike him we are and how much we need him to continually transform us. So as we grow in our prayer lives, as we go deeper with God in prayer, we begin to see how much more we want him to transform our own hearts and minds. It's a beautiful thing. And then finally, I would say this, as we, we pray and as we, as a church, we make prayer a focus, a tenet of who we are. We don't just pray. Um, it is relational. We do pray for transformation, but we don't just pray for those things. The reason why we pray is because we actually believe that God has the power to change things. Like, what I mean by that is through prayer, we're expressing that we have faith in God's ability to change the world around us, to change our lives, to change other people's lives, people that we want to see get saved or people, there are situations. That's why we pray for grandma's hip because we believe that God can heal grandma's hip, right? We see in the Bible as Moses prayed boldly because he believed that his prayers could change things. Like that same man earlier that I read through who came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, if you're willing, if you're willing heal me. He, he said that not because he doubted Jesus' faith he, or Jesus' ability to heal. He knew Jesus could heal. The reason he's, he said, if you're willing. So what we need to do as we pray is not just not doubt that Jesus can do things, but just ask him to do it because we know that he can. We have faith that he can. I believe that if we make prayer a tenet of our church, that God will show us some miracles and he'll show us some breakthroughs in this place. I believe that, that when we pray, God will make it happen. When we spent a Sunday praying that God would heal um, the racial divide in our country, we didn't do that again to just spend time in prayer. We did it because we believe that he can and will. We believe that over the last hundred years, he's been doing it, but we want to see him do it even more. So we pray not just because we're supposed to or to fill some time in our lives, but we pray because we believe that God can actually change situations and that God can actually change circumstances and that God actually has the power to do it. So what does that look like for us as a church? Corporately, we're going to continue to do the same things that we've been doing, but I wanted you to understand, I guess, a little bit more about why we do them why we, we do kind of things the way we do, why we have the prayer time at the end of service, because corporately as a church, we want to spend time praying together. We have the, um, the band, they come up and they play and we worship and we uh, respond to the preaching. We spend time in prayer because corporately, I believe that that will grow us in our relationship with God as we respond and we go deeper in those moments. 
We have the communication cards so that we can grow together, that as your pastor, I can pray for you. We have a time before service where those who are serving that Sunday morning, we come together and we pray for that day. Why? Because our prayer is that God will use us and that he will um, use us to impact lives that Sunday, not that he will act in spite of us, right? We, we, we believe those things. As a church, we want to continue in January. We're going to do another 21 days of prayer. Why? Because as a church, as a people, we want to pray together. We, I, I value that time. I think that God changes us during that time. I think that God grows us during that time. So as a church, we want to make this our focus. And so privately, how can you, what can you do, right? I would say this. So for me, it's definitely prayer praying, spend time in prayer and reading your Bible, I know that's a, sometimes it's a hard thing to do. For me, I have to just get it in my system. I have to get it set in my daily routine, right? So before Gideon, I was really good at that. I would get up in the mornings and I had my time set up every day where I would come and I would pray and read my Bible. I'm working on getting back to that, okay? I know it's probably a great thing you want to hear from your pastor. I'm really trying to get back to reading my Bible and praying and stuff. Um, but I would encourage you to do that, to find that time where you can spend um, time each day in prayer, whatever that looks like. I know for some of us, it's on our way to work. It's, it looks like different things, but you need to do it. And I want to give you some things specifically to pray for in that time. The first one is this, that you would pray for God's will for in your life, that he would help you to see the world like he sees it. Pray that he would give you um, his will for our city, like as a church, as we're trying to impact our city and our community, that he would give you his will for our city as a church, that he would show you um, how to love your family better. Pray that he would give you a heart like his, and I would finally ask that you pray for the river, that God would use us to impact this city, that he would make us a healthy church that makes healthy disciples. And I ask that you would pray that he would grow us both numerically, but more importantly, deeper spiritually. That we would be a people that would um, just hang out deep in the waves, man. That we would be a people that would know him deeply and intimately. That our prayer life as a church and as individuals would go deep, both, both for ourselves individually, but as a church, right? Because I hate the Christian idea where we all just live our own individual Christian lives and we don't ever talk about it. We're just all kind of separate. We're, we're in this together as a community of people. And so we want to go deep together. And so those are just some ways that I want to encourage you to, to pray. And I want to encourage you to think of our, relation, or our prayer lives as something that first and foremost is relationally um, focused, not just functionally focused. And that you would see your prayer life as a time that's transformative for you individually. It's a time that God uses to transform who you are, to transform the way we see the world around us, and to transform how we are, who we are as individuals. And um, I want to go ahead and ask you guys to come on up. And as we close out, I just want to read you something. So uh, as we were, before we even began to pray about coming out here to the church or to start the river, um, I was personally, I, maybe you guys experienced this, go, going through a dry time. And so I went to a bookstore and was just going to grab a book. I was like, I just need a book to read, something to kind of help me spiritually grow deeper, um, something to just, I just needed something, right? And so it's funny, I went to that bookstore and showed up, and there was a guy there who lived like an hour away who just happened to be at that bookstore who ended up being a very... Um, 
important person in us being able to move here to the church to plant the river. And so I talked to him a little bit about what was going on in our lives. And he said, man, let me just recommend this book for you. I think you would really like it. So I wanted to read this to you. This is a story from that book. And it really impacted me because I would love for us as a church to have the kind of faith as that man who ran before Jesus and kneeled and said, basically, I know you can heal me, just will you do it? I want us to pray those kinds of prayers. I want us to pray uh, the kind of prayer like this guy. It's called this book called The Circle Maker, if you've ever read it, read it or heard of it. And so there's this guy. It's called The Legend of the Circle Maker. And so I'm just going to read you a page and a half from the book. It says, Young children danced in the downpour like it was the first rainfall they'd ever seen. And it was. Parents threw back their heads and opened their mouths and caught raindrops. When it hasn't rained in more than a year, raindrops are like diamonds falling from the sky. It would forever be remembered as the day, the day thunderclaps applauded the Almighty, the day puddle jumping became an act of praise, the day the legend of the circle maker was born. In the first century BC, a devastating drought threatened to destroy a generation. It was actually the generation before Jesus. The last of the Jewish prophets had died off nearly four centuries before. Miracles were such a distant memory that they had seemed like a false memory. And God was nowhere to be heard. But there was one man, an eccentric sage, who lived outside the walls of Jerusalem, who dared to pray anyway. His name was Honine, and even though the people could no longer hear God, he believed that God could still hear them. When, the rain, when rain is plentiful, it's an afterthought. It's true. During a drought, it's the only thought. And Honai was their only hope. Famous for his ability to pray for rain, it was on this day, the day, that Honai would earn his moniker. With a six-foot staff in his hand, Honai began to turn like a math compass. His circular movement was rhythmical and methodical. 90 degrees, 100 degrees, 180 degrees, 270 degrees, 360 degrees. He never looked up as the crowd looked on. After what seemed like hours, but had only been seconds, Honai stood in the circle he had drawn. Then he dropped to his knees and raised his hands to heaven. And with the authority of a prophet, Honai called down rain. Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. The word sent shudders down the spine of all who were within earshot that day. It wasn't just the volume of his voice, it was the authority of his tone, not a hint of doubt. This prayer didn't originate in his vocal cords. Like water from the artesian well, the words flowed from the depths of his soul. His prayer was resolute yet humble, confident yet meek, expectant yet unassuming. And then it happened. As his prayer ascended to the heavens, raindrops descended to the earth. An audible gasp swept over the thousands of congregants who had circled Honai. Every head turned heavenward at the first raindrops parachuted from the sky, but Honai's head remained bowed. The people rejoiced over each drop, but Honai wasn't satisfied. And with a sprinkle still kneeling to the within the circle, Honai lifted his voice over sounds of celebration. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns and pits and caverns. The sprinkle turned into torrential downpour that eyewitnesses said no raindrop was smaller than an egg in size. It rained so heavily and so steadily that the people fled to the temple mount and escaped the flash floods. Honai stayed and prayed inside his protracted circle. Not Once more he refined his bold requests. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of your favor, of blessings and graciousness. Then like a well-proportioned sun, on a hot day, humid August afternoon, it began to rain calmly and peacefully. Each drop was, tangi- was a tangible token of God's grace. 
and they didn't just soak the skin, they soaked the spirit in faith. It had been difficult to believe before the day. The day after the day, it was impossible not to believe. I love that. It had been difficult to believe before that day, but after that day, it was impossible not to believe. Eventually, the dirt turned into mud and back into dirt again. After quenching their thirst, the crowd dispersed and the rainmaker returned to his humble hovel outside the outskirts of Jerusalem. Life returned to normal, but the legend of the circle maker had been born. The prayer that has saved a generation was deemed as one of the most significant prayers in the history of the nation of Israel. The circle he drew in the sand became a sacred symbol, and the legend of Honai the circle maker forever stands as a testament to the power of a single prayer can change the course of history. I believe that, guys. And I believe that we serve a God who can change circumstances. I believe that we do serve a God who can change the world around us. I believe in a God who can heal, not just my life and not just your life, but lives of our community. And I want to see him do that. I, there's one last story. Prayer has been a central tenet of our church because before we even launched, we didn't have a place. And I don't know how many of you guys know this story, but about two months before we were supposed to launch, we had nowhere to be as a building. We had nowhere to be. And so I was freaking out, as you can imagine. I'm losing my mind. I'm so stressed. I'm being a jerk to my wife, right? Like, I just wasn't a good person. And God just reminded me, man, you need to pray about this. And so I took a week, and every day during lunch, I fasted, I didn't eat, and I just prayed that God would provide a place for us to meet. And so, again, you, you guys, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but we had been turned down by like over 30 schools to meet in, five movie theaters, and two community centers, including this movie theater twice, okay? And the second time they turned me down, it wasn't a very nice no, right? It was kind of like, leave us alone, right? So I was praying and fasting, and then God just brought this place to my mind. He said, email that lady again. All right. So what do I have to lose? Right now, what do I have to lose? So I did. And what was funny is she said, you know, Mike, it's interesting that you emailed me because there was a church that was meeting in that location. And this week, they just sent me a letter saying that they were leaving and that they would be going somewhere else. I didn't know that, right? But through the power of prayer, God changes things. And so I believe that if we make prayer, our prayers about growing in our relationship with God and not just transactional, I believe that he'll give us a deep and vibrant relationship with him. I believe that if we focus on him transforming us and transforming who we are, that he'll transform our minds and the way that we see the world around. I believe that he'll help us to see the world like he sees. And I believe that if we believe in our prayers like Honai believed, if we believe in our prayers like the man who fell before Jesus and said, I know you can heal me, now will you? I believe he will. And I believe he'll change things, guys. I believe that he'll fill up this movie theater so much that uh, with people who need him and want to love him and know him, that he'll save souls. I believe he'll make the world. We've got to move into a bigger movie theater. I believe those things, guys. And so as a church, let's covenant together to be a place of prayer, that we would make true, deep prayer our heart's desire, and that through those prayers, God would change things. And not change things because we want him to change things, but change things because we begin to see his heart through our prayers and our prayers become his heart. Let's pray. And I want to ask you to stand with me. And we're just going to pray and then worship him together. Father, I love you. Thank you for 
just the fact that we have the opportunity to pray to you, God. That's an incredible gift that you've given us, Lord, that you invite, you invite yourself into our circumstances because you want to know us on a deeper level. Father, I pray that as a church, we would make your prayer a tenet of who we are, that you would save souls and you would heal lives, Father. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.